You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. So Genesis 24, and we'll stand in just a moment. It's taken us three weeks, but we're finally coming to the end of this chapter. And it's the longest story in the book of Genesis, uh, but there are so many good lessons to learn. And really, we could take longer. Um, and I don't, just don't want to miss something good. But these last few verses, I could have just kind of skipped them or included them last week. But there's a lesson here that I would like for us to look at this morning and, and just as a reminder for those that haven't been here the last few Sunday mornings, this, this is the culmination of Abraham's servant traveling hundreds of miles over rough countryside with ten camels to find a bride for Abraham's son, Isaac. And he is going to the land of Haran, or Padan Aram, however you want to say it, going over or north to this land where Abraham's family lives. And Abraham had told his servant, he said, I want to find a bride for my son Isaac, but but he can't marry a Canaanite. The Canaanites don't follow God, and we want him to marry somebody from, really from my family, because that is the family that God has promised to bless. And so he sends his servant away for about 500 miles over the course of of a few weeks travel to find a bride for Isaac. And this was important because, if you'll remember, and I haven't mentioned it a lot, but, but the book of Genesis was written for the children of Israel. So the children of Israel were coming out of the land of Egypt, traveling in the wilderness, and they were getting ready to take the, the land of promise when they would have been reading the, the, these accounts. And God is reminding them that he has been in control the whole time over, over where or from whom the promise would come through. And this is a very important decision that, that the right bride is found for Isaac. Isaac is the son of promise. God's covenant will come through this family. And so God has, is going to choose the exact right woman for Isaac through whom his redemptive plan will come. Eventually Jesus Christ would be born out of this family. So every decision made is important to God. So Abraham's servant, he goes to, this, to the land of Abraham's family and he finds the right woman. Rebecca, brings, he goes to this well and this young woman, this beautiful young virgin woman comes out and she's coming out to the well to draw water and she sees him and, and, and he asks for a drink and she says, I'll give you a drink and I'll give you a drink for your camels as well, which was a direct answer to the servant's prayer requests. And then only to find out later that she is uh, Abraham's brother's granddaughter, so his great niece, it just further cemented that Rebekah was the right one for Isaac. So after Abraham's servant, he goes home to her home and pitches the idea to her family and they want her to wait 10 days. We talked about that last week, how they say, let her wait 10 days before she leaves. I mean, if you can imagine who can blame them, if this is your daughter and somebody comes from a faraway country and says, I want to take your daughter back to marry my servant's son or my master's son, will you allow it to happen? I would say, well, just give us a few days. You may not ever see her again. But the servant following God was insistent and said, hinder me not. And then maybe just out of respect for Rebecca, they gave her the choice and she said, I will go. 
So they leave and follow God back across the wilderness, back to where Isaac is living in southern Israel. And uh, this is where we pick up our reading. Let's stand together. We'll begin reading in verse 58. Verse 58, it says, And they called Rebekah and said unto her, this is her family, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. So it's not just Abraham's servant and Rebekah. Abraham's servant has men. Rebekah has damsels, young ladies that go with her, her servants. And then as she was leading her family, this is what they did. They blessed Rebekah, verse 60, and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions. And let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. God blessed Rebekah because she didn't allow her family to hinder her following God. And they blessed her not really even knowing all that they were saying. But God blesses decisions we make by faith. Verse 61, it says, And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels. It's got to be a comfortable ride. And followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. So they go on the journey and, uh, and they're headed toward the south. Look at verse 62. And Isaac came from the way of the well Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw... And behold, the camels were coming. Now, I would have accept, expected something more romantic than the camels were coming. But the camels didn't just represent camels. They represented something Isaac was waiting on. Because riding on those camels was a young lady. And this is the hope that Isaac had, a young lady that would be his bride. He was in the field meditating, though. Not just meditating, he was looking and we'll come back to those points that's very important when you're waiting. Look at verse 64. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. And I just hear harp music and angels singing, and I see her floating off the camel as she sees her, her future husband. She gets off the camel. She's excited. Look at verse 65. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, it is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. It's obvious now she's the bride. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. He rehashes the whole story. And, you know, it's got, this is the third time, by the way, that, the, that Abraham's servant tells the story. Well, he lives the story. Then he tells the story to Laban and Rebekah's family. And now he's telling it again. And I'm wondering, if he's a fisherman, I wonder if it's getting better every time he tells it. I'm just wondering. Verse 67. And Isaac brought her into his mother's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Now, we're not told all that happened. Uh, I, I seriously doubt that... He sees Rebecca, then they go to the tent. He hears the story, their customs. We don't know all that happened. We do know this is a biblical marriage, though, by the way. 
We know that they did things the way that God wanted them to. And, and there's a cultural understanding. There were witnesses to, the, to the, the union. Isaac takes Rebecca into the tent to signify she's the new matriarch of the family. And I love the phrase there in verse 67. It says, and he loved her. No, this was real, genuine love. And I know arranged marriages have some sort of stigma with them, but God is the one working all this out. And it's obvious that God brought the right woman to Isaac. It's, but, you know, sometimes, though, it's a waiting game. And sometimes you follow, following God means it's fun and it's exciting and there's an adventure. But at other times, you sit in a field and you seek the Lord and you meditate and you look to the horizon and you just do what you can because you don't know how he's working. Following God doesn't always look exciting because sometimes it means you have to wait. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word, bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There are a few things more difficult than waiting. Uh, you know that's true if you've ever waited for, in school, kids, a school bell to ring at lunchtime. Or a school bell to ring at the end of the day. I mean, there, were no, there was no 10 minutes longer than the last 10 minutes of school when I was in school. You know, I mean, you know that if you've ever waited, you know that waiting is hard. If you've ever waited at a light to turn green when you're in a hurry. Especially in the Sioux Falls. I mean, what is it with these lights that are just timed? I mean, let the lights turn green for the traffic flow. I mean, that, doesn't that make sense to you? It does to me. You know it's hard to wait when the car in front of you um, isn't moving through the drive through line. You know it's hard to wait if you've ever said in a message and a preacher says in closing. You know it's hard to wait. I'm going to help you this morning learn an important lesson in waiting. You know, waiting is hard. You know, we'd rather be moving than sitting still. And it's like the adage that says, don't just stand there, do something. But you know, the message of the Bible very often is don't just do something, stand there. So honestly, Psalm 27, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart, thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. But it starts with they that wait upon the Lord. We're commanded to wait. We're commanded to trust God and have hope that he will work while we wait. Psalm 130 says, I, I, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Psalm 62, 5, what Brother Samuel read, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Waiting on the Lord is a virtue that the Lord looks for in his children, and when he finds it, he rewards us. Lamentations 3, 25, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. And it sounds good when you hear, Wait on the Lord, rest in the Lord, Trust the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait. It's fine. Just wait. He'll take care of it. But when you're in the middle of waiting, it's not easy. 
You hear that God rewards us as we wait, and that's great. He's good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. He's good, but it doesn't make it easy. Lewis Smeads said, waiting is our destiny as creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for. We wait in the darkness for a flame we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending that we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. Sometimes you have to play the waiting game. And you have to wait for the not yet that feels like a not ever. And Isaac was learning that right here in Genesis 24 because he's playing a waiting game. But while he's playing the waiting game, God is actively working. We know that God is working. God is working in the lives of Abraham's servant. He's working in the life of Rebekah. He's working in the life of Laban and Bethuel and Milcah. And he, you could say that God is working in the lives of the servants, uh, the companions on the trip. He's working in the lives of Rebekah's damsels. They're, they're all in the middle of the action. And if you'd imagine it, it's like over here there's this scene of action. And there's people running around and things are happening. But over in this field, it's just Isaac. And he's just waiting. There's a lot going on over here. God is actively working. And I'm going to assume that based on what we know about Rebecca, she's having a good time. You know, if you read about Rebecca, um, it doesn't take much to know she loves the action. She's, she's a busy person. She, I mean, when, when Abraham's servant came to her in verse 17 and asked for a drink, in verse 18, it says that she hasted and gave him a drink. And I talked about this a little bit last week. I just want to remind you about the character of Rebecca. She was somebody that hurried with everything she did. She was busy. She was energetic. After he drank, he said, uh, she said on her own, let me feed your camels until they're done drinking. She didn't just say, let me give, you a, give your camels one drink. She says, let me give them enough water until they're done drinking. I want to give them all the water that they need. In verse 20, it says, chapter 24, in verse 20, and she hasted. She ran again under the well and drew for his camels. In verse 25, um, and I'm not going to read them, but she offers for straw and provender. She offers to take care of the camels. In verse 28, it says, the damsel ran to tell her household of what she had discovered um, with the Abraham servant. In verse 45, the servant says it this way, before I was done praying, here she comes. I was praying and here she runs and before I know it, she's given me and my camel's water. In verse 47, I didn't know, I mean, here, look what it says. In verse 47, and, and I asked her and said, whose daughter art thou? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom milk a bear. Like, I didn't even know you could milk a bear. <laughs> but if anybody could do it, Rebecca could. Fit it in between all the, that was, I, I don't know why I did that. First 50, 58. And they called Rebecca and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Do you get the idea that Rebecca was a go-getter? She was not the kind of person that just kind of sat back and let everything else happen. She was busy. She was active. She was full of energy. She didn't, she didn't, hang, she didn't hang in the back. I mean, it, you know, she's the kind of, if she, if she drove a car, she's the kind that was not content with the flow of traffic. You know, she, if she had a car, I guess she would be at the head of the pack. She would, be, uh, she would be speeding up to the full speed as fast as she can. She would be stopping at brake lights, uh, at red lights as late as she could. And I think my, my wife and Rebecca have a lot in common. 
And Rebecca would have needed new brakes on her camel every couple of months, I think. (laughs) She worked hard. She worked fast. She didn't like to sit still. And now it gets into into trouble later because, I mean, we know what she does when between Jacob and Esau, when Isaac was going to give the blessing and she takes matters into her own hands. You remember that? And she's like scheming and conniving and she's trying to make something happen. And misguided initiative can be a pain and and it can cause problems. But there, I mean, there are times when go-getters bite off more than they can chew. We know that to be the case. But honestly, I wish there were more of God's people like Rebecca. More of God's people that would, that would be go-getters who are urgent rather than complacent self-starters and spark plugs, if you want to call it, whatever you want to say. People that just don't like to sit on the sidelines. People that like to be in the middle of the action. Let's be honest, though. It's a lot more fun when you're in the middle of God's working. It's a lot more exciting. I mean, I think about the church planners conference this week and and Brother Pinnell, Brother Scott Pinnell is here, he and his family, starting a church on the west side of Sioux Falls. I'm grateful to have them here today. There were other church planters here, and, and in the middle of the action, you know, we have people standing up and, and pledging a certain amount of money to these church planters. And I'm telling you, it was fun. It's fun to be in the middle of, of when God is working. It's exciting. And I mean, I'm I just talking to church members and you just coming up and see, Pastor, this was a great week. Pastor, you know, uh, thank you for hosting this. It was so exciting. What a fun week. It was great. It's fun to be in the middle of the action. God is actively working in this story and the servant is having fun and Rebecca's having a fun. I mean, the servant every once in a while just stops and praises God, praises God and said, thank you for working. Rebecca, she's like, I will go. And it must have been fun for everybody, right? Well, no, because while God is actively working and some get to be in the middle of it, Isaac sits at home with no awareness of what's happening in Haran. See, listen, while God actively works, Isaac just patiently waits. And a character study of Rebecca and Isaac, it really couldn't be more opposite because Rebecca's the go-getter and Isaac, though, doesn't seem that way. And, and some people would say that Isaac seems passive. I mean, here in this story, the servant is going out to find him a bride and, 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 and Abraham didn't want Isaac to go and do it. He was afraid that if he got there, that they would convince him to stay. And Abraham saying, you know, this is the land of promise. Maybe Abraham knows that Isaac could be convinced to stay and and not come back. I don't know. I mean, we know that him trusting his father and his father's servant to find a bride for him, that's God's will. I mean, but but he just seems like he is content. He's passive. He seems like a, a, you know, we see him here. He's mourning his mother's death still. He, he's, he has to be comforted in, over his mother's death and, and it seems like he's a sensitive and patient and maybe even a passive man and you kind of wonder how him and Rebecca are going to work out. I mean, if Rebecca's a go-getter and Isaac's more passive, I mean, how many, I mean, you probably know this if you're married, that there are opposite personalities in a marriage very often. And if one person's a go-getter and the other person is more passive, it could be a little bit of a strain you know, I'm, I'm just thinking if Rebecca, you know, when she, when she went to college, she would, have been, um, she would have been like an art major. Philosophy, like 16th century philosophy. Well, Isaac would have been like an engineer major. He's very practical. He's just kind of there. 
and, and Rebecca's kind of all over the place. Well, listen, I just, and this isn't a message about marriage, but I'm thankful that God brings opposite personalities together in a marriage that complement each other and, and work together. Well, this is God's will for Isaac and Rebecca to be married. And these are the two that he wants to come together. And so he knows what all is going to happen. He knows how it's going to work. And listen, and we can't be too hard on Isaac. I mean, he's, after all, he's included in Hebrews 11 in the Great Hall of Faith. We can't say, well, Isaac was just passive. He was a non-personality. No, God calls himself. I, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The men among us might feel like Isaac should have been more of a take the bull by the horns kind of a guy. But I'd rather assume that maybe God wants us to learn something from his demeanor. See, what we have here is an example of a man who is willing to trust God's provision for his life. We don't see an argument when Abraham sent his servant to find his wife. I mean, guys, this is to find Isaac's wife. Yet he was willing to submit to his own father. And he doesn't storm off. He doesn't throw a fit. What do we find him doing instead? Well, verse 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. And he lifted up his eyes. Listen, before you get down, too down on Isaac for being passive, um, Isaac was being submissive to God's plan for his life. And second, don't assume he's being passive because when I say passive, I might would be implying that Isaac's not doing anything. But he's not not doing anything. It says that he's out in the field meditating at eventide. And before you think he's out there, you know, humming and meditating and Watching the sunset, I don't believe that's, uh, that's it at all. No, he's a man of faith. We know that. He's not just watching the birds and watching the sunsets. No, he, this is a man that had seen his father Abraham set up countless altars everywhere he went. This is a man who heard the story about how God miraculously brought him along when his father was 100 and his, and his mother was 90 years old. And I honestly believe that Isaac, even if he had a passive demeanor, was seeking God to do what only God can do in bringing him a bride. He's meditating in the field. I mean, he's praying. And maybe he was praying, Lord, please make her pretty. Please. I mean, I prayed for that and God answered my prayer. Thankful for that. So I already talked about her driving earlier. I got to kind of bring it back, you know, earn some points back that I already lost. He's out praying. I don't just think he's praying for a pretty wife. He knows that this is important to God's plan and he's out in the field and he's meditating, it says. It's the only time it's used in the Old Testament. He's out there seeking the Lord. He's seeking the Lord to bless the bride search. He has, he has a confident expectation and hope that God will bring about a positive ending to this situation. Listen, that's what waiting is. Trusting God to do what is best in a, situ in a situation we can't control. And this action is a reflection of a man who's doing what he can, not doing nothing. He's like, all I can do is be in the field. All I can do is pray. All I can do is meditate. Look, it also says that he lifted up his eyes. He wasn't just praying, he was looking. He was anticipating. He's being watchful. His eyes are on the horizon. He's looking for the caravan. 
and he's hoping to see that first camel top the hill because hopefully riding on that camel is his beautiful young bride. And here's what I wanted to get this morning. See, most of us tend to be Rebecca when it comes to following God. See, we enjoy the action. And, and I'm not saying this is everybody. We need some to get more active, but we enjoy the action. We'd rather be moving the path than pass the time. And, and our motto is, don't just stand there, do something. And, and most of us, most of the time, we need to get moving. We, we need more of God's people to get busy. But here's the thing. Sometimes God may have you wait instead of work. And it may be a, re, a season in which God wants you to sit at the red light. And he's not interested in you finding a shortcut through the parking lot. And he's not really interested in sending a green light or sending a green arrow. He just wants you to sit at the stoplight. And nobody knows what he's trying to do. And I don't know what he's trying to do. And you can't know what he's trying to do. But sometimes he just wants you to wait. Right where you are. Not look for a shortcut, not look for a way out, but wait. And our nature says, go, go, go. But there may be times when God's plan says, stop, stop, stop. And maybe you've come to a place in life that God has made it clear you need to wait on something. And listen, the application here is to marriage. So I'm going to make it, not that it applies to everybody, but it applies to some. And you may wonder if it's ever going to happen for you. But let me just say this. If you're uneasy about it, wait. I mean, better to wait now than regret later. Better to wait on God to make it absolutely clear than to jump in before you've really thought about it. And I'm just telling you, if you believe that God is sovereign, do you believe God is sovereign? Amen. And if you believe that God loves you, amen. I do too. And if you believe that God is sovereign and you believe that God loves you, then he has the right person for you and they'll come along at the right time. Wait. It's okay. Maybe in your life uh, you're at a point where you've got a big decision to make. And we get all gung-ho about doing what everyone says we should and doing the wise things and, and, and doing maybe doing this. You've got people telling you, go ahead. It seems like a great idea, but listen, there may come a time that God says, wait, when it comes to that big decision. And I don't know why, and I don't even understand the timing, but there could be things in your life like buying a house or making a move or changing careers I was just talking to somebody uh, this morning and, and their job is a little bit in limbo um, because their jobs require the vaccination. They don't feel comfortable with the vaccination, which, I mean, I completely understand that somebody's, that, by the way, that somebody's personal right to make that choice. And so for a company to come along and say, um, you know, that, that you might lose your job because of it, I mean, my heart goes out to them for it. We have people confronted with that decision even right now. And that's a big deal to make a, to make a decision like that. And I, you don't know how it's going to play out, so I would just say, hey, let's, let's trust the Lord and maybe just wait and see how it works out. And don't, don't give in if you're not comfortable. That's fine. I mean, if you've taken it, that's fine as well. It's, every, it's your personal choice. It's your choice to, make, to take it or make it, whatever you want to do. But listen, sometimes God may bring you to a place where he says, wait. And if he says, wait, and you know that's what you're supposed to do, just trust that God who is sovereign and God who loves you is going to work it out for you.
If the Lord hasn't given you a green light, wait. It could mean there's something better waiting. And there are circumstances in which something better waits for the one that waits. I mean, in my own life, I, I mean, there are times where, you know, I, I, I see this person, I see this person as a young man and think, you know, that'd make a good bride, that'd make a good bride. And my wife, she had people in her life, oh, that'd make a good husband, that'd make a good husband. Um, you know, she, and I, she came to the point in her life where, where she was done with college, she had worked for a year, and her choice was, or the, the, open, the option in front of her was to go back home and work with her dad and live with her parents and be a, a school teacher. And she's thinking, that's not the place to go for prospects. <laughs> and all the time, God was working in my heart too. For some reason, I think maybe I waited because I'm dumb. But I waited until she was gone and I was like, what have I done? So a year later, we started talking and realized this is what God wants. You know, and she had to make a decision to just wait on the Lord. And God brought the right person along, hopefully, the right person along. It's 20 years on. I mean, maybe she has some second, second thoughts now, but I don't know. Too late. <laughs> but she made a decision to wait. And her testimony is, um, I put it in God's hands and he brought somebody along. The right one. And I'm thankful the way he works in our lives like that. He brings the, he, those big decisions that we're fretting and that we're wondering about. Listen, if you're fretting or you don't know, maybe it's good to wait. Maybe there's a person in your life and there are times in my life that, that it may, I felt like I needed to deal with a situation that it involved a person. And maybe I needed to have an important conversation or, or maybe something needed to be dealt with. But for some reason, and I can't tell you why, but there was a stop sign in my heart. It's not always the right time, and we need to learn that too. Listen, I believe in speaking the truth in love, and I think we ought to be open and, and honest with each other, but it's not always the right time to just drop truth bombs on people. Yeah. And it's not always your place to just drop a truth bomb on somebody. You've got to be careful and mindful of those things. because Yes, there are times where things need to be dealt with, but make sure that God is leading you and you're not just responding out of the flesh because the times that I've ever responded in my flesh to a situation, I've always regretted it and I made the situation worse. So be careful of those things. There may be something that needs to be dealt with, but I'm telling you this, anytime that God has led me to wait... He's always worked it out for me. And he always works it out better. Maybe it's a prayer that you're praying. And it's easy to get ahead of God. And it's easy to make the answer to a prayer happen on your terms. And you finagle and you manipulate. And you work things out to kind of make it happen the way that you want to make it happen. And yet sometimes God just says, just wait. I'll answer this in my time. Sometimes he says, don't just do something, stand there. And maybe you're a Rebecca and you're a go-getter and, and, and it could be in that, that in a current situation, you need to be more like Isaac. And I know it's killing you. The alpha personalities in here, the type A's, I just want to get out there and get it done. No, listen, the not yet right now, it feels like a not ever. And you're thinking, I better make this happen. But you must wait for the right time and the right direction from the Lord. The right words, the, right, the appropriate action. 
the best choice. Listen, waiting will always result in something better than getting ahead of God. And if you're a Rebecca, learn to wait. I mean, watch Isaac's example. Trust God to do what you can't. And there are times when it takes more faith to wait than it does to act. And there are three truths about waiting I want to kind of wrap it up with. And uh, in conclusion, now just because you're waiting, number one, just because you're waiting, it doesn't mean God's not working. Just because you're waiting, it doesn't mean God's not working. I mean, listen, I mean, if we could go back to this, this scene over here and everything's happening and here's the servant and here's camels and here's Rebecca, here's the damsels, here's Laban and Bethuel and Milcah and, and Rebecca. I mean, all of these things happening over here and here's Isaac and I, I'm not going to do the meditating, but he's in the field. He's just waiting. And he thinks in his mind, he's maybe thinking nothing's happening but if only he could see through the glass darkly and see, well, Re oh, oh, Rebecca just got water for the camels. If it's a play-by-play, -play, he'd, he'd be getting the whole story. It's like, and, and yeah, oh, yeah, here's, oh, the servant just got to the well. Oh, here comes a young lady. She's a beautiful young lady named Rebecca, and he asked her for a drink. Oh, now Rebecca's getting him a drink and his camels a drink, and now Rebecca's running home to tell her family, and she's telling Laban. Now Laban sees the earrings, and he's running back to the well because he sees, oh, wow, I could get some, some earrings and some, some jewelry out of this. So he runs to the well. Here comes Laban. Now he's talking to the servant. Now they're going back to the house, and the camels are getting fed, and taken care of and now here's the servant he's sitting at the table and before he even starts talking he says hey before I before I even say anything before I eat I just want you to know I am here to find Isaac a bride Laban and the family they're they're talking they're discussing that sounds great to us but then they remember well there may be more riches to get out of this so they say well let her wait 10 days 10 days, the servant says, I can't wait 10 days, hinder me not. He said, okay, we'll ask Rebecca. Rebecca says, I will go. So her damsels gather up. The servant gathers up all of his people and the camels, and they get on the road, and now they're heading back. And Isaac, all the while, is sitting over here, looking to the horizon, and he's thinking, Man, I don't know if anything's happening. I don't know. It's like reading a book and, and you see all this stuff happening behind the scenes but this one character doesn't know it and you just want to tell him it's going to be okay. I mean, it's working out and they, don't, they just don't know it yet. That's kind of how it is for Isaac. And listen, just because you're waiting doesn't mean God's not working. And you may not even know it yet but the caravan may be about to cross to the top of the hill. And the answer you've been waiting for may be about to come. So just wait. And seek the Lord. And look for the answer. Because just because you're waiting doesn't mean God's not working. That's the first thing I see. Second is waiting isn't doing nothing. It means you actively trust the Lord. It's not doing nothing. It means you're trusting all Isaac could do was pray and watch. And before you think that's nothing, sometimes the only thing we can do is pray. Sometimes the only option we have is to seek the Lord. And the most beneficial thing we can do is pray. 
So, folks, listen, stop acting like you getting busy is going to help God, so God solve the problems. He blesses our obedience, but he doesn't need my problem-solving skills. You might be waiting, and, and you think it's going to kill you. But if you'll pray and trust and watch, that's the most important thing any of us could do. Waiting isn't doing nothing. It means you actively trust the Lord and expect him to bring a positive end. Don't give up. Don't give in to the temptation that maybe you're not going to do anything until he shows up. Because some people do that. They, they say, well, God's not working and I don't see it happening. So I'm just going to sit here. And they're not praying. And they're not anticipating. And they're not looking. And they're not doing anything. They're just arms folded. Saying, until God works... I'm not doing anything. But that's not the way God works. See, we do all that we can, and then he does what he can. And it's very often that our, our faith or lack of faith will prevent him from working like it did with Jesus in his own home country when he wanted to do many mighty works, but he couldn't because they lacked faith. So don't give in to the temptation that I'm just going to sit here until God does something. No, assume God is working and just trust him. Third, the reward for waiting is getting to enjoy what only God could have done. That's the reward you get for waiting. If, listen, if Isaac hadn't placed or patiently waited for God to work, he would have missed the grand reveal. I mean, can you imagine after all this that Isaac misses the reveal? If Isaac had been restless and faithless, he would have just gone to look for a bride himself. And when someone said, behold, the camels are coming. I mean, he would have missed that beautiful moment that he lifted up his eyes and she lifted her eyes, it says. And, and, and then the angels, I just imagine, were singing. And the whole world sighed. Ah. They said, isn't love beautiful? Now, he would have missed that moment. That she floats off the camel and puts her veil over her face and walks up to him. He would have missed the story his servant told. He would have missed his own wedding before those witnesses. And, and he would have missed the opportunity to say, I love her. And, that he, and also being comforted. You see, we think we'll miss out on God's plans unless we help them along. But I think we're more likely to miss his plans because we refuse to wait. If you're talking about Rebecca, there are plenty of times you follow by following. You just get busy. Listen, I just want to say, Eastside, thank you for following by following. For getting busy. And for doing things that we need done and jumping in. And I was just looking at the list that we filled out. And people signed up for food and things at the church planners conference. And I, it was just overwhelming how much people got involved. Thank you for following by following. But if we're talking about Isaac, sometimes you follow by waiting. You say, well, that's why I didn't sign up on the list. No, that's not the point. <laughs> that's not it. I mean, in your own personal life. There are times where it's not appropriate to make it happen. It's appropriate to trust God and wait. And listen, Isaac waited 
And he got to enjoy the benefit of something he could have never found or gotten on his own. And this is a principle here that's not a Bible verse, but maybe some people think it is. But it's still true that good things come to those that wait. Sometimes serving God means go, go, go. Get it done. Sometimes it means stop. Let him do what only he can do. And you'll discover that just because you don't see the caravan moving, it doesn't mean it's not on its way. So closing questions, are you playing the waiting game right now? In your life, are you waiting on something? And you feel like you're just waiting and you don't know what the answer is. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to work out. Listen, the worst thing you could do is assume God's not working. Because he is. If you will just seek him and keep your eyes open for what he's going to do, he will in his time bring it about. Is there a situation, number two, that you're supposed to wait on right now? You're supposed to wait. You're supposed to give God time. Listen, the worst choice you can make is to get impatient and move ahead of God. And I'm not saying don't stay busy serving him, but stop trying to make things happen without him. His time, his way, his methods always bring about the best ends. So trust him. The third question, is there a not yet that feels like a not ever? Is there a not yet in your life that feels like it's never going to happen? You know what you hope for, what you pray for, but it hasn't happened yet. And you're just about to give up. But let me tell you, don't stop trusting because waiting means you've done what God, that you've, you have hope that God will bring about a positive end. And you've done what you're supposed to do and God will do what's best for you. You've done what you can do and God will do what's best for you. And in the meantime, when it feels like a not yet, don't pack it in. Because I know a lot of people that when they're waiting on something and it hasn't happened and they're trying to figure it out and it's not coming the way they want, it's not coming together, it's a big decision, they don't feel like they can make it or they've got this job change coming and they've got a decision to make about a person, they have to say something or they have to do something or they've got to make a decision quick and, and there's a not, it feels like it's a not ever, the not yet. And, and rather than trusting the Lord, they just back away from everything. They say, well, God obviously doesn't care about me, so I'm, I'm going to back away. I'm not going to get in his word. I'm going to back away from prayer. I'm going to back away from, it, from my church family. And I'm just going to back away. And until God does something, then I'm just here. You can come find me. No, I believe that God blessed Isaac because he meditated and looked. And if you'll notice, when that caravan topped the hill, it says that Isaac went to meet them and and if you've backed off enough that you're not actively trusting anymore don't expect God to work on your behalf just do the things you're supposed to stay faithful keep trusting and keep looking and there's a a song it's one of my favorite songs and many many people have probably heard it I just want to read the lyrics. It's called Sometimes We Wait. Did Moses know when the branches spoke he would be the chosen one? 
Or did his people know that a cloud of smoke would someday lead them home? Sometimes God will speak through a bush of flames or pillars in the sky. But at times, his silence fills our days, leaving us to wonder why. Sometimes we wait simply to find that sometimes his answers come with time. Not right away, clearly to see. Sometimes we never get the parted seas that lead us from the shore. But there is a place where we rest in his grace when sometimes we wait on the Lord. If I had my way, there would come a day with a never-ending dawn. I never experienced the nighttime. No, no more mournful sighs in the dark of night as I wonder where he's gone. I would never see, listen, but there's a big a but there, if, but I would never see how his mercy reigns beneath a cloudless sky. And there would be no need for healing grace to comfort when we cry. Sometimes we wait simply to find sometimes his answers come with time. Not right away, clearly to see. Sometimes we never get those parted seas that lead us from the shore. But there's a place where we rest in his grace when sometimes we wait on the Lord. Are you waiting on the Lord this morning? If you are, keep trusting. He's, he's working. Have you gotten ahead of God? Well, maybe it's time to back off and let him have his way. Sometimes we just have to wait. My encouragement to you this morning is don't just do something. Stand there. Let God be the one that does something. Let's stand together. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.